Hello, welcome to a Thursday afternoon. This is Bill Allen uh, from West Irwin Church of Christ, right in the heart of downtown Tyler, Texas. Glad to have you joining with me today. We are studying through the Bible, reading through the Bible. Uh, in 2024, I am using uh, the best daily Bible reading tool I have ever found uh, called the Daily Bible in Chronological Order. It is compiled or edited by F. Lagarde Smith, a wonderful uh, Church of Christ scholar, theologian, author, and uh, does a great, great job. The helps in this, they are minimal. Uh, they do set some of the timing and staging and a little bit about what else might be going on in the world at the time. Offers up some dating things, and we'll talk about that in a moment as we did on Tuesday. But it's a, it's a wonderful tool. It'll, it'll take you probably 15 or 20 minutes, certainly less than 30, to read each time, each day's reading. As I've always said, if you get behind whatever daily Bible reading tool you're using, if you get behind, read today's reading first and then catch up when you can. Uh, but that way you don't get further behind and you stay up with the time and the schedule. Any daily Bible reading tool is good. Some give you one just going from Genesis through Revelation, just as it is, appears in our Bibles in chronological order. The Bible is not in chronological order, so you have uh, some books that are in different places. Uh, for example, the book of Job is uh, considered uh, happening during the time of Abraham, perhaps, and Isaac and Jacob, somewhere in there, perhaps earlier. But it is, um, it is covered in the chronological Bible during the time of the exile, which is very likely when it was written. That's all speculative, of course. But that's just an example. When you get to the New Testament, you realize that uh, certainly the books, uh, the letters are written at uh, different times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not written in that order. Uh, likely uh, Mark and Matthew may be the first ones. Luke, perhaps after that, uh, sometime in between those two, perhaps. And then the Gospel of John uh, seems to be clearly the last one written with him having Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels at his fingertips, perhaps. Um, it's, a, it's a great study, and that's not my purpose today, so I'm going to get off that. But what we have started is on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. live on my Facebook page. And if you're watching right now, as Eric and Cindy Mosley, my dear, dear friends are, hello to you both, um, or others, then you're watching it live on my Facebook page. But right after that, of course, you can scroll down on my Facebook page and see it at any time and catch previous lessons as well, along with pictures of grandkids, I might add. Um, but I also share it to our West Irwin Live Facebook page and our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook page. Remember, that's Irwin with an E, E-R-W-R-I-N. Our church has been on West Irwin Street near downtown Tyler, actually in downtown Tyler for a long time. Uh, we've been around since 1885, not always on this exact spot, but pretty close. And uh, so our church has a great long history here in downtown Tyler. Um, and and our, our website, westirwin.com, is also has uh, our video archives on our live streaming page. You go to our westirwin.com page, uh, scroll over where it says connect in the tab at the top, and then get on the live streaming page, and then you can see the big blue box. That's where you can see our 
worship service live at 10 a.m. on Sundays. But if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see something about video archives. You can click on that and you can see all kinds of stuff, all of my previous Facebook lessons, uh, our previous sermons that are here, some of our recent worship services as well. So lots of tools there, but let's get into this daily Bible reading tool, the daily Bible in chronological order. We started on Tuesday with uh, a look at the first couple of chapters of Genesis, the creation. And uh, so I'm not going to repeat all of that, but I can say that we just barely mentioned uh, the fall of mankind, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan coming to them and saying, has God told you you can eat of whatever fruit? And they said, no, we, we can't eat of the fruit uh, uh, that God forbid us to eat from uh, because he said in the day we eat of it, we will die. And Satan, uh, Jesus calls him a liar from the beginning, probably referring to this event, and the father of lies in John chapter 8. And so um, what uh, Satan tells them is, you will not surely die. Even if you do eat of that forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not die, even though God said you would. And so they, of course, decide that this is very uh, desirable, as sin does. Temptation is there by appealing to our selfish side. And they both eat of it, and they are ashamed, and everything goes south from there. And um, the sin has its consequences, and those are enumerated in Genesis chapter 3, just as they have consequences even uh, today. Um, and uh, it's interesting that when God confronts the serpent, who is Satan, uh, in verse 15 of Genesis 3, there's a little bit of a look ahead, perhaps, to the Savior, uh, where God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, talking to the serpent, talking to Satan, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so it could very well be that up until this time, the serpent perhaps was not crawling on the ground as the snakes of today are. That's hard to uh, explain. Um, and that could be what it's talking about. Uh, snakes tend to bite lower parts of the mankind because that's where they are on the ground. And yet mankind overcomes them by striking them on the head. Uh, it could also be a look ahead to Jesus coming to overcome sin by giving his life. Uh, that striking him on the foot at the crucifixion, uh, but Jesus having the ultimate power over Satan uh, through the resurrection. Um, I love that look ahead. I think that's a, a, a great application. I don't think that we have that uh, specifically stated, looking back and quoting this verse in the New Testament, but you can test me on that one and see what you think. Uh, well, let's keep going. My friend and sister Tia is with us. Glad to have you. I know there are lots of others who tell me I watch it, but I never tell you hi. I never sign in, and that's perfectly fine. Don't mind that at all, uh, but I'm glad that you're listening in. In Genesis 4, uh, the first uh, children, Cain and Abel, are born, children of uh, Adam and Eve, and the first murder takes place when Cain kills his brother Abel because God accepted Abel's sacrifice but did not accept Cain's. Some say it's because Abel offered up an animal sacrifice and Cain offered up the fruit of what he did, which was farming. 
Um, and that may be true. It may not be true. I don't think it's necessarily true. I think it's more of the thing that was going on in Cain's heart. And when he was jealous and he let that envy uh, overcome him, he killed his brother Abel. The second generation of humanity where the first murder occurs is just horrible to think about. <clears throat> and so God comes to Cain, and as he is prone to do, ask questions just like he did with Adam and Eve. Where are you? We were ashamed, so we hid. Who told you you were naked? Well, you know, that's how God works. And it's not because he's trying to gather information. It's because he's trying to help us to be confronted with our actions. And so um, God asked Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer to that question is yes. We are our brothers and our sisters keeper. We are responsible to one another. The answer is clearly yes. And, uh, and so God deals with Cain, but deals with him with justice and with mercy. And, um, and uh, that's a, a great combination that we see perfected in God. God gives Adam and Eve um, another son, a child by the name of Seth. And he becomes the one through whom uh, Noah comes, and then Abraham comes, King David comes, ultimately Jesus of Nazareth. <clears throat> During this time, there are long lifespans. Uh, when you read these first several chapters of Genesis, you read about people living hundreds and hundreds of years. Why is that? Well, um, there's some speculation. Lagarde Smith brings some of this out. Uh, not that far removed in years or generations from the Garden of Eden and the Tree of Life, which they apparently were able to eat from Adam and Eve until they sinned and were thrown out of the garden. Uh, better living conditions on earth. Mankind had not corrupted things. Uh, perhaps there's something to be said for that. Um, God may have just provided mankind longer years in order to populate the earth. Um, Smith writes, one can only speculate, but acknowledging a creative being powerful enough to bring the universe into existence certainly allows the option for such a creator to permit unusually lengthy lives for whatever purpose might suit his comprehensive plan for mankind. <laughs> and I, I think that's right. I think sometimes you throw up your hands and you say, well, I guess I'm never going to know this for sure. But, you know, God, God can do it. Uh, God can handle it. Um, Adam dies 930 years after creation. We talked a little bit about that on Tuesday, but uh, what Lagarde Smith does in these first chapters is he measures time by after creation, and that's assuming that the genealogies are complete, which is a big assumption, and he acknowledges that, and they may very well not be complete. There could be holes in them because the Hebrews, they, they didn't have to be exact. What they wanted was to maintain that connection. And so we don't know, but it's interesting to think about, and it could possibly be true. Um, but Adam dies 930 years after creation, so he lived uh, to the age of 930. Uh, the father of Noah, Lamech, was 56 years old when Adam died. And so you see that great connection between generations. Because they lived so long, that means multiple generations could be around each other and were on the earth at the same time. Time, For example, Noah's, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Noah's son, Shem, from whom the Israelites come, the Semites, that's what that name comes from, S-E-M-I-T-E-S, comes from the name of Shem, their ancestor, the son of Noah. Uh, he died 25 years before Abram was born. 
So Abraham comes along just 25 years after the son of Noah has died. So you see that connection going on and that uh, continuity of humanity uh, that God sees. The flood measuring this way, the flood of Noah, um, takes place in Genesis 6 through 9 and occurs 1656 years after creation. Again, that's assuming that there are no holes in those genealogies. Big assumption that may not be true. But again, that's the best that we have. And, um, and, and so Noah's father dies five years before the flood. Methuselah, who was the one who lived the longest, 969 years, uh, sad to say, based on the additions and the math in those first few chapters of Genesis, it could be that Methuselah died in the flood, refusing to get in the boat, in the ark, uh, with Noah and his family. One of the great passages in this section is the man Enoch in Genesis 5 verses 21 through 24 says that he lived 365 years and then he was not because God took him. He no longer existed. It doesn't say he died, just says God took him. And Enoch is the first one that is described as one who walked with God. Noah would be described that way as well. And I love the story and I've said it before, but I love the story of Someone explaining it this way, Enoch walked with God all of his life, 365 years. Could be a coincidence, about days in a year, I don't know, but that's what Scripture says. And, uh, and so some have put it this way, that God and Enoch were walking, as uh, he has described, walking with God. And it got late one day, and God told Enoch, look, you're far away from your house. Why don't you just come and be with me? I think that's a great story. I don't know that that's true, certainly not in Scripture, but it is in Scripture that Enoch was no more. It could not be found uh, after, those, after that time. And so again, there's this hint that there is life after death, that Enoch continued to live, just not in this world. A great story. Uh, Genesis 6 through 9, again, the story of Noah and the flood. Um, uh, it, who knows when that occurs? Was it worldwide, Bill, or was it just confined to Noah's world? I don't think Scripture is specific on that. I, I'm not going to be one that says the the veracity, the truthfulness of the Bible relies on whether you, which way you go on that. I don't think that's the case. I do think it's very possible that it was a universal flood. I think when you do the digging, uh, you'll find that there are flood stories from ancient times in many ancient civilizations. And uh, again, I will refer you to great uh, students who, and scholars who study this uh, in depth, such as those at apologeticspress.org. It's a great site. Uh, Josh and Sean McDowell. Sean McDowell has a great site as well, um, and others as well. Um, Noah, again, when he was 600 years old, that's when the flood begins. It was 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, after 150 days in the ark, um, uh, the waters began to uh, subside. The mountains were seen on the 224th day, and the surface was dry on the 314th day. And then later, Noah sent out a raven, and the raven never came back. And um, the ark was resting, probably on a mountain, traditionally Mount Ararat, but we don't know that for sure. Uh, we don't know where that is for sure. Um, uh, and then he sent out a dove, and the dove uh, flew around 
and came back and he flew, sent out the dove again and it flew around and came back this time with a leaf in its beak. And then, then that third time he sent the dove out, the, it never returned. And so he knew that it had found dry ground and a home. After 370 days over one year, um, Noah and his family, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives, those eight people, uh, left the ark. And God, in Genesis chapter 9, assures uh, us all in this great promise where he says that he will never destroy the earth again by water. And he says, I tell you what, I'll put my sign uh, in the clouds. I'll put my bow in the clouds, my rainbow, that will be a sign of this covenant between me and the earth, between me and humanity and all the earth, that I will never destroy the world again uh, by water. Uh, Peter in 1 Peter 3 makes it clear, and in 2 Peter 3 especially makes it clear that um, there is, however, the uh, firm call of God that the earth will one day be destroyed, and this time uh, by fire. Uh, Noah and his family continue to propagate the earth. Uh, some of you may ask, well, okay, so Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. Who was Cain's wife? Who was, who was uh, Seth's wife? Well, I don't know. All I know is scripture gives us the account of the creation of Adam and Eve. It appears that they had many other children after Cain and Abel and Seth were born, uh, likely during these early, early times of human existence. Uh, brothers and sisters were allowed to intermarry, and God probably provided that as a as a possibility for uh, procreation, for filling the earth. And um, and then uh, we don't know. Uh, we see that stopping. Same with the long lives. We see that stopping. Ultimately, the psalmist says that you know if you're really if you're really healthy, you'll live to be seventy to eighty years. And uh, we find exceptions to that, but that's still pretty much uh, the norm, uh, even uh, today. Uh, in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel is built. Humanity, mankind, and their pride said, "Let's we can build a tower and build it up to the heavens. And uh, so they did, and God decided, you know, they, uh, they need to spread out a bit. And he uh, has them, uh, confuses them with other languages, and that's why the place was named Babel, Babel, I like Elton John's pronunciation, B-A-B-E-L, uh, off the good, uh, uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album, in case you're wondering about all of that. Um, but the Tower of Babel was um, uh, a time when all of the humanity that was there were speaking the same language, and then God confused them with different languages, and that's when they scattered and went different places within the world according to the Bible account in Genesis 11. Again, selfishness is the sin. Selfishness is the, is the sin. We see that in Adam and Eve. We see that in Cain. We see that in the people of Noah's day who refused to listen to him even though uh, he uh, built that ark for decades. Um, and now we see it again at the Tower of Babel. Uh, interestingly enough, there is a, a remnant of the ark, not a remnant, but a, a recreation of the ark in Kentucky, the ark encounter. And we haven't been able to go see that yet, but we look forward to doing that. I hope you will as well. We get to Genesis 12 and we're introduced to the next big Bible hero, Noah being the first one, uh, Abram being the second one. His name would later be changed to Abraham. Sarai's name, his wife, changed to Sarah. And his story begins in Genesis 12. 
uh, perhaps somewhere around uh, 2000 BC, it seems. I like to use approximations when it comes to years and dates, and that this is about the time that Lagarde Smith and his The Daily Bible in Chronological Order begins to date things based on BC or before the current era, BCE, if you'd rather use that, um, uh, rather than AC after creation. <clears throat> Abram comes along perhaps 3,000 or so years after creation, and now we're 2,000 years before uh, Christ. Uh, he is called, God calls him, tells him to leave his family, leave his homeland, go to the place where God would tell him, and he does. I love the song, Trust and Obey. And we see it in Noah, God giving him this weird command, build an ark because it's going to flood, and uh, Noah being obedient and doing that. He wasn't perfect. He sinned uh, later. He was uh, drunk after the ark encounter. Um, and we, we find him being uh, less than perfect. Same with Abram. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and again in chapter 20, uh, when he and Sarah, his wife, are traveling the first time in Egypt in Genesis 20 uh, in the Philistine area of Gerar, um, he tells her to tell the one, the, the people in charge, in power, that she is his sister. And they were half-brother and half-sister, uh, same father but different mothers. And um, again, that's the early days of creation that went along. By the time you get to Moses, uh, there are laws in the law of God that forbid things like that. Uh, but for now, uh, that was something that was uh, understood. Um, and so God condemns him for that. He condemns those that he lies to for that. The, uh, the thinking of Abraham is, Sarah, you're beautiful. They're going to want to kill me to get to you. And in a horrible, horrible act of insufficient faith, uh, that's Abraham's decision. And, um, and so again, this great man of faith, this father of the faithful, as he's called, Abraham, uh, still struggled just like all of humanity struggles. Uh, these first chapters of Genesis continue on, and uh, Abraham and Sarah have their nephew Lot with them uh, because uh, and his family because his father died, Abraham's uncle. And so Abraham became a father to him and took him. And um, in chapter 13, Abraham and Lot separate. They are just grown into too big of a household with all of their animals and, and servants and family. And so um, uh, Lot chooses, uh, Abraham gives him his choice and Lot chooses the area of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, south towards the Dead Sea. Uh, a great looking place at the time, but as we know, uh, God sends messengers to Abraham and ultimately that place will be uh, destroyed. Abraham settles in what we call the land of Canaan. And um, in spite of the difficulties in the land, the area nations, uh, they conspire and uh, capture some of the other nations, including Lot and his family. Abraham gets his people together and goes and, and is able to overcome them in battle and rescue Lot uh, and his family, Lot, his nephew. Uh, coming back, we get this strange story in Genesis 14 of a priest by the name of Melchizedek. Uh, we, don't, we don't know anything about his genealogy. We don't know really what he's connected to. He's just this kind of mysterious character that drops in 
in Genesis 14, and then we don't hear of him again except for a few times uh, being referred to, such as in Psalm 110, a passage that speaks of the soon-to-be Messiah, the Savior, and tells us that he will be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. Aaron, the brother of Moses, was the priest. He was a descendant of Levi, one of Jacob's 12 sons. Abraham and Sarah had a son, a promise by the name of Isaac. Uh, Isaac had twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob had 12 sons and a daughter. One of those was Levi. And then Aaron was descended from Levi, and he became the priestly tribe. All the priests were descendants of Aaron. But this Savior would be a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And Jesus of Nazareth, not a descendant of Levi, certainly a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, um, but a descendant of Jacob's son, Judah. And that also was prophesied. More about that in the book of Hebrews. If you want to Google Melchizedek or, or search in your Bible uh, for Melchizedek or go to your concordance if you're old school, good for you. Uh, look up Melchizedek. You'll see some passages in the book of Hebrews make a big point of why this qualifies Jesus as our great high priest. Lots of other stories associated with Abraham, um, his first son Ishmael through his uh, Sarah's servant uh, Hagar was born and at 13 uh, Isaac is born and then he is um, uh, uh, taken away at Sarah's bidding. God takes care of him though, but he becomes um, a thorn in the side of Abraham and Sarah and their descendants and we see a lot of infighting from the days of Cain and Abel, the days of Isaac and Ishmael, uh, the days of Jacob and Esau, even through to today. Well, that gets us pretty far into Genesis, doesn't it? Uh, we're in Genesis until later on in January. Uh, I think January 22nd is when we are introduced to Moses, another great hero uh, down the line. But for now, that gets us started with Abraham and I hope that as you continue reading these stories, you read them with your eyes open. And one of the things that I hope that you remember, and this is one of the most helpful things I can tell you about reading through the Bible. When you read those stories and you see those names and you read about those incidences and actions, um, recognize that these are real people. These are human beings. And these are real stories. These are real things that happened to them. And so we get it. When Abraham and Sarah travel to Egypt and Abraham fears that his life is going to be taken, he lies. Yes, it's sin. Yes, he, it's a lack of faith in God. Yes, he did not trust and obey at that moment. But we understand we're all tempted and we all sin. Paul would say those immortal words in Romans 3 verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. But because of that, in the context of Romans 3, that's why the Savior is available for all of us if we will turn to him in trusting, obedient faith. I hope that's what you have done. And I hope and pray that as you read through the Bible this year or as you just listen along with us in these summary lessons on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. or later, uh, if you're not watching live and that's great, then uh, you'll hear the Bible story all the way from Genesis through Revelation. And what an amazing story is it is. I've talked about the first heroes of the Bible and thinking specifically of Noah and how he survived the flood, perhaps saved all of humanity 
during the time of the flood. And also Abram, Abraham, his name is changed to Abraham, uh, being great heroes of the faith, but really the hero of the Old Testament is God. Hero of the New Testament, definitely Jesus. But the hero of the Old Testament is God the Father. And how remarkable it is that even at this early stage, he has great concern and love and guidance for his people. And they don't always accept it, but he is always there for them when they do. I hope and pray that you will as well. I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday or perhaps even this coming Sunday, live or online. God bless.